I think everything that people need to know about me can pretty much be summed up in my reading of Fox and Socks. Try to say this, Mr. Knox, please. Through three cheese trees, three free fleece flew. While these fleece flew, freezy breeze blew. Freezy breeze made these three trees freeze. Freezy trees made these trees cheese freeze. That's what made these three free fleece sneeze. I could go on, but I'm gonna <laughs> <end>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I got no words. I got no words, bro. I got no words. The boxing socks came. That, that may inspire possibly two more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, write them down before you forget. Uh... Yo, welcome back to another episode of Kicking It With The Homie. It's your boy, CJ, here with my main man, my partner in crime, the beast from the East. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it today. I was just like, what? So I, I, set you, I set you up. I, I, I'm watching Chris Paul right now. I threw the alley and you missed it. Yeah. Yeah. You shacked, you shacked in a fool. Yep. Yep. Well, this is Abe. Always messing up the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Here you are. (laughs) Oh, what's shaking, beloved? How you feeling? Um uh, Wow. I am feeling good. Tired, but good. Yeah, it's just a just a long work day, busy, just very like literally my brain was like focused on nothing but work um but overall like just just good like yeah how are you feeling physically you know tired like always but mentally mentally i'm in a i'm in uh i would say an inspired place i we were talking about this the other day. I want to take this little writing retreat because I've got several books that I want I want to write. And I have these ideas just kind of sitting and fermenting in the front of my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm back in the gym with regularity. I've got some new goals to work towards. And I, I'm, I'm starting to see some, some pre-pandy numbers come back. And that's got me feeling good and, and motivated. Uh, okay. <laughs> mouthful and everything i said do you want to record <laughs> and here you are full mouth on the mic <laughs> now nah, i'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling all right you know it's been a this week has felt like a blur uh with thanksgiving last week and then my wife took off monday and tuesday so there was a just a different dynamic in the house and just the days, the days have just all started to to mesh together. So mm. here we are, you know, another week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it was pretty pretty rough seeing the news about about Virgil. Uh, for those who don't know, Virgil Abloh passed away this week at the age of forty one after a two year battle with a 
I think they said it was a rare type of heart cancer. Uh, it was some type of cancer. I'm pretty sure it was a heart cancer. But, you know, it's not that I was this big Virgil fan or this close follower of Off-White or his role as creative director of Louis Vuitton. It, it's more that I knew what Virgil represented and meant to the culture. And no matter who it is, to see another young Black man die, it just sucks. And especially when it's someone who is so so front-facing. Uh, and I say young because 41 is young. Yeah. And you really feel that at our age as we're getting closer to our 40s. And it's like, yo, that's that's right there. I'd make the joke all the time. I'm seven years away from dominating 40 and up basketball leagues. So to, to just think about that and to know that he had young kids, it's, you know, it just, it sucks, man. And it kind of goes back to something we talked about a few episodes back where just feeling like black men can't grow old. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think for me, what was striking, cause like I saw a post, a picture with, you know, Chadwick and him just like posing together. And I think the caption was just something like, you know, like these these two black men like struggling, like struggling in silence. Bat- no, battling cancer, you know, and we didn't even know it. Like, so like for them to like just it wasn't like saving face. It was just more so like. I'm going to battle this quietly, not to worry my fans, not to worry my loved ones. And like to just, you know, more so have their close community, you know, like, but not so much like, um, like the world at large to know, Um, which in a way, like I do respect that. It's just like, it's, in a way, it's none of our business, you know. Um, and in a way, it's a, it's a bit, in a way, it's a bit inspiring to just, like, keep, you know, pushing forward and, and moving forward in spite of whatever battle, whatever struggle you're facing, you know, at the time. Um, it's, it's just saying, it's just like, be careful with how you treat people because you don't know what they're struggling with. And I feel like those two are like very, like very spot on with that. It's just like, you don't, you don't know what a person is going through. It's just like- Both both of whom in the midst of battling their cancers caught significant public heat for different things. With Chadwick, people are like, yo, he looks so skinny. He he gotta stop getting so skinny for these roles. Yeah. Little did they know. And then with Virgil, there was something he gave $50 to some some cause. And people are like, that's it, Virgil. And again, it's you have no idea what this man is going through and what he what he's experiencing at home. And I, I think you brought up a good point about us not being entitled to any it's like we are not entitled to any bit of any person's life celebrity or not but the weird thing about celebrity especially in this day and age 
is we feel like we are because in this age of over oversharing we know way too much about people we shouldn't know we shouldn't know about mm-hmm. and this is like non-famous people you do a quick search on instagram and if someone's profile is public and they're just a regular person out here they're just a civilian and they're over they're out here oversharing on their lives and it's it is a weird world that we live in yeah yeah maybe that could be another episode <laughs> oversharing us of society yeah that would that would be a good one to uh to kind of kind of talk about right write that down so we don't forget <laughs> i'm putting that on you uh but anyway um going to transition into our main topic for tonight we need tra- we need transition music write that down too <laughs> or this would be a good time for an ad read so if you are a company or organization out there that is looking to promote on the kicking it with the homie podcast hit us up <laughs> uh yes 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 um so we are going so i believe a couple of few months back we did a mailbag episode followed by like maybe an episode or two later 21 questions with me avery um where cj asked me a whole bunch of questions that made me feel totally uncomfortable um, <laughs> um but it is my turn to ask this young sir some questions um so i'm going to start off a little light i like being uncomfortable let's get uncomfortable you do you do um which i need to learn from you I'm I'm learning to 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 be okay with the uncomfortable, but slowly but surely. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, first first few questions are going to be t-balls. They're going to be easy, light, chill, nothing too hard to think about. Um, I have no idea what the questions are, so I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I'm curious to see what you throw at. <laughs> so easy, easy, easy. First question. So your first, your your favorite color, as those who have listened know, is yellow. Um, yeah. What is your second favorite color? That's such a random question. <laughs> and I promise you, as I've spent today thinking about possible answers, possible questions that you would ask. My favorite color, my second favorite color didn't come anywhere near the list. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I guess. I really don't know. I like black, I like blue, I like gray, I like red. I, I've never given much thought to a second favorite color. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, so I recently learned how many siblings you have after being your friend for almost (laughs) what nine years something like that yeah something like that so to the public now i would like you to share how many siblings do you have i have an older sister and four younger brothers okay now i'm gonna put you in the hot seat with this one I don't know their ages and birthdays, but go ahead. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, go ahead. Who's your favorite? I don't have a favorite. You, uh, yeah, I don't have a favorite. 
you know, all of all of the relationships are different, especially as we're adults now and you vibe with you just you vibe with people differently. Uh, but yeah, I don't I, I don't have a favorite. Okay. My sister, who I'm sure is listening, I know she believes the answer. Is her. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's my only sister. So, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with her. Well, I guess a better question to ask is, which probably is a given, at least I, I'm assuming, but who are you, who are you closer to? Uh, I'm the closest with my sister, easily. Cool, cool. Um, getting a little bit. No, actually, I'll say that later. Come on, Barbara. You told me you was going to give me your best Barbara. Hold on. It's going (laughs) to ease you in. It's going to ease you in. So, um, growing up as both Trinidadian and American, I would assume you listened to both soca and hip-hop, right? Yeah, yeah. Which... Which would you say is your favorite genre over the other? I it's it's easily hip hop for me, uh, which I'm sure all of my Trini family is you know cursing <laughs> me out right now. But I, at the end of the day, I was raised in Brooklyn, and I'm a child of a certain era, and all the soca I heard was at home. There were there were a few people in school who you know we get together and we we play, we play some, but it was all hip hop all the time. Like when you think about the radio stations we grew up with, Hot 97, and then in high school, that's when uh, Power 105 came out. Mm-hmm. Like to get the, you know how the, how the soca stations worked here. It was, yeah. it was the in-between stations, almost yeah. like the blackout <laughs> radio. So it wasn't always a legit connection. Uh, I would say, and then it was, there was a long time in my life where I just didn't listen to soca. I was, listening to hip-hop and r&b all the time but then as i got older i started to uh i started to listen more so it's still hip-hop for me though would you or are you sharing your soca heritage with your your three mini ones yes not as much as i'm sharing the hip-hop and again it's it's largely based on, you know me, I don't listen to a lot of music. My, my Spotify year-end wrap-up that everyone is sharing says my favorite song, my favorite top five songs are all from Frozen. So, <laughs> <laughs> but when I am listening to music, it is usually uh, hip-hop, R&B, worship, neo-soul. That, that was kind of the, the one saving grace in my Spotify wrap-up where where they give you your like top 10 songs and your top 10 artists. And for me, it's all frozen. And then it's like, but your genre is Neo soul. And I'm like, all right, okay. (laughs) There's still some me in there. Uh, So yeah, like we, we actually, that we do, my oldest daughter likes Soka and dance hall. And there, there's a few songs that she really likes, but I haven't given them the same the same experience that I've given them with hip hop, really more so R and B. That's the thing they're getting more than anything else. Yeah. Well, that and worship music. So, yeah, oh, that's dope. That's dope. So you, I mean, 
after sharing that, you're gonna have to create a separate account for them and create a family account because fam, two years <laughs> in a row, let it go. My number one. Uh okay. Uh, so speaking of childhood and memories and all that, what is your most memorable memorable moment from childhood? Not, I mean, so I want to preface this by saying. Like you shared, like there's been, you know, a lot of bad memories, you know, from childhood. But like, what is the most positive memory that you have from childhood? Most positive memory from childhood. That's a a tough one. What's the age cutoff for childhood? Age cutoff for childhood, according to you know the people I work for, is eighteen. Oh, okay that that's a big expansion. But I'm gonna assume you mean like seven and under, ten and under. Yeah, that childhood. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. not adolescence. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. So there, my uncle lived in Virginia Beach, and we would go down to his house in the summer a lot. Uh, him and my mom were really close before he passed. And there was one year we went down there and he had two kids at the time. He, he then ended up having three before he, before he passed. Uh, so the two older ones and us and the kids in their cul-de-sac had this giant super soaker fight. I'm talking, we set up forts on like across the street from each other. And we're, we're lobbing water balloons. We've got, We've got the giant super soakers. We've got the little handgun suit, like uh, water guns, doing rolls and all these tactical moves. That when I when I think back, that is one of the just purest joyful moments in my childhood. That's dope. It's, it's always the the water fights, man. It's always it's the water fights. Water fights used to hit different. <laughs> I don't think these kids today know about water fights. Not. Not like the past. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, one more question about childhood. What did you want to be when you grew up? Grew, uh, what would, uh, geez, what did you want to be when you were younger? Uh, so, I'll give you an answer, but you know me, I am long winded. <laughs> so, I'm going to tell you a story first. <clears throat> Back in the third grade I want to say no it was the second grade I was in class and I was listening to whatever the teacher was teaching about but I was also reading a book writing the book so like kind of copying the book word for word and then tracing the pictures of the book I don't remember exactly what book it was but it was some children's book and the kid and the guy in the book had scored a goal skating backwards and it was like this is the only time it's ever happened in hockey history whatever uh and the teacher she was talking and she saw that I wasn't paying attention or thought I wasn't paying attention and asked me a question you know how teachers do when they try to call you out and I gave the answer she's like oh I didn't and then she's like oh I didn't think you were paying attention and then walked over and saw that I was writing and reading and listening to her and she then turns to the rest of the class like Y'all need to be more like him, which I was like, chill. But that is one of the earliest memories I have of me writing. 
And I would say by the age of 10, if you had asked me what I wanted to do when, when I grew up, the answer was write and be left alone. For as long as I can remember, I've, I've wanted to write. And at 34, the answer is the same. But now also let me flap my gums a little bit. So, wow. So you, you knew, you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, Taylor Rooks, she's a, a sports journalist. She tweeted something. I want to say yesterday where it was a video of her at the age of 11. And she said that she used to record, like watch the news and then record herself interviewing herself that for as long as she could remember, she wanted to be a journalist. Mm. And for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a writer. And, you know, at this age and with my level of experience, I understand that just wanting to be a writer is a very vague and ambiguous thing that could go a million different ways. But I just always knew that I loved writing. And coming out of high school, I wanted to major in journalism. But my mother being the good immigrant that she was, was like, nah, you're going to do something that makes money. And that's how I ended up majoring in finance. And I worked in finance for a little bit, flamed out very quickly, just figuring out it wasn't my gifting and skill set. And it was just miserable work for me. And in 2016, I started writing again. Uh, I mean, we met as spoken word artists, you know, so mm-hmm. I was exercising that writing tool then. But then I, I started to write, write. Like I wanted to write articles. I wanted to to write books, those things. I, I started to do that in 2016. And then it's just been growing from there. And I've been for the last five, six years refining that vision of what it means for me to be a writer and hopefully, you know, a full-time writer one day. So that's dope. On the other side, you have a big love for food. <laughs> You're a foodie. <laughs> probably, probably, probably the one of the, one of the first true foodies I've ever met. If you were to open a restaurant, what would you name it, and what would be the cuisine? Man, that's what. All right, I'm opening the restaurant. Am I cooking, or do I just own it? You cook once in a while. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eesh, that's that's hard. I don't know what I would name it. That's yeah, I have no idea what I would name it. Uh the type of food I think would be contingent upon the location. So if I opened up a restaurant, let's say somewhere in the Midwest, it would most definitely be Trinidadian because there's none of that out there and people will think it's exotic and it's going to be mad good. So it'll drive business. Uh, If I opened a restaurant in New York though, I think I would go the upscale Michelin star route. And honestly, I think, I think it'd be the same. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Caribbean fine dining. Uh, Hmm. Maybe maybe new American, something where I get to kind of play around with uh, gastronomy and borrowing flavors and textures from other cultures. That's probably the hardest question you're going to ask me tonight. 
the hardest for me. Everything else, I feel like I'm going to have an answer for. <laughs> this one, I'm like, let me let me answer in three episodes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, want to want to touch on family a little bit right now. I'm going to start with this one. You've been married for how long? Seven years. Seven years. So in these seven years, I don't believe in that seven-year age, but I'm not married, so whatever. Um, (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to laugh at that one. Um, What would you say in the seven years so far you've been together with your wife? What would you say is the most touching thing she has ever done for you thus far? Oh, man, my 30th birthday. It is one of the few times I've cried, like, at, the, at something good that someone has done for me. I think it's actually the only time I've ever cried at something good someone has done for me. Uh, she got me a, it was just a series of very sentimental gifts that, that meant a lot to me. Like, I could tell she put a lot of thought into that. And then she wrote me just the sweetest, most amazing letter. And as I'm reading the letter and opening the gifts, I was just sitting there crying because it it was just so touching and thoughtful. That's dope. That's dope. Um, so follow up with what's the hardest thing about marriage? What is the easiest thing about marriage? More specifically, your marriage. Oh, you're trying to get me in trouble out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say I think the answer to 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 that to both of those questions is the same, and it's the integration and adjustment of another person of having another person in your life who never goes away. So it's really easy in that you start to develop patterns and routines and, you know, something as simple as, hey, we brought our money together. Like, you know, one bank account, no secret stash. I got mine, you got yours, none of that. Uh, obviously, we live together. We we are raising children together. We we almost have a hive mind after after all these years. But at the same time, that's really hard because you have your way of doing things. I have my way of doing things, not always seeing eye to eye and how those things should be done. Uh, Just basic beliefs about the world sometimes. And like that can, that can be, be difficult because it's, it's not a good or bad thing, right or wrong. It's mine and yours. And how do we bring that together when it's so when it's different? Um, I had another another thing, and I just lost it. So I'll leave it there. I'd say the the integration and adjustment. Oh yeah, it's a as you the longer you're married, like the more each of you change because that's just the nature of people, right? Like you hopefully are not the same person today that you were. Well, hopefully I, I speak in terms of my marriage. Hopefully I'm not the same person today that I was seven years ago. And I know that she's not. 
And as we change, we have to integrate and adjust to the changes in that other person while also trying to reconcile them with the changes within yourself. Like there were, there were things that I believe today that I didn't believe seven years ago. There were things that I believed seven years ago that I don't believe today. There are things that were important to me back then that I don't care about now, but those things might be really important to her still, or maybe newly important to her. And, and so it's that, that constant, um, that constant tension of, of growing together and adjusting together and, you know, just sticking it out when things are hard, right? Like, and, and what if that hard period is, is an extended season? What if it's prolonged? You know, how do you, how do you work through that? Uh, we, like everyone else in the pandy, it was hard for us. It was the first time in a long time that we were really locked down together. It was, it was probably the only time when you, when you really think about it. Uh, and so we're locked down together for an extended period with a two-year-old, a newborn, and then a few months later finding out we had another one on the way. And that was just hard. And it forced us into some hard conversations and hopefully into kind of some reckoning with ourselves. And as the Pensatucky is still going on, you know, we're still, we're still working through things. We're still discovering things. We're still trying to adjust. Uh, we just get to do it a little, we just don't have as much time and space together now like it was before. Sorry, that was, that was good. That was, that was, <laughs> um, so what what would you say right now you have what a one-year-old a two-year-old mm-hmm. and a four-year-old mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll probably ask this question maybe five ten years later down the line um but right now what what is i'll start with the easy thing like what is what is what is the the fun part of raising your children in that dynamic right now Uh, the fun part i would say it's all the fun that you have they are growing and figuring life out very rapidly. They change constantly. Uh, my son is walking now uh, and he, he's running now. <laughs> it was like, you were just wobbling two days ago and now you out <laughs> watching him figure things out and you know, sitting with my four-year-old and, and having actual conversations uh, with the two-year-old She's in full two-year-old mode, <laughs> but it's also cool because in that, like you hear terrible twos and there's a, there's a lot of tantrums, but there's also a lot of discovery. And that's just so dope to watch her just be like, so if I do this and this, then this happens. Wow. So that, that, that's the fun part. What is, I want to go a little bit future. What is 
I want to say fear, but what is like your greatest concern as you raise your children? Mm. Uh, for me, my greatest concern is just not being able to take care of them, not being able to, to provide for them. And, you know, I have that, that innate uh, like desire to take care of them and also that innate belief that, oh, taking care of them is only monetarily. And I have enough childhood trauma and we collectively have enough childhood trauma to know that provision for your kids, money is probably like the fourth thing on the list. The thing they need more than anything else is time. And that's why you see all these rich kids who go nuts because they had everything, but they never had their parents' time. So I like, I, that's a, a concern, I'd say, for me, is mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being, to take, being able to take care of them. And that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, all the leads you can think of. My concern for them is, is their safety in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my kids are, you know, they're biracial. Uh, they're all very light-skinned, but they look Black enough. And they'll always be seen by this world as Black first. And there's no need to, to go into the stats and facts and figures about what Black children face in this world. But, you know, that's a, that's a deep, deep concern for me. Uh, outside of that, you know, I, I want to raise them to be thinkers. I, I want to raise them to be intellectually rigorous people. And that doesn't mean straight A students. Because I know a lot of straight A students who are very book smart, but can't think their way out of a paper bag. I have always said, give me the C plus student who can think over the straight A student who only knows books. So I I want to instill a level of intellectual curiosity in them Mm. and an intellectual rigor that I think will serve them well as they go through life. I mean, so I have my own personal bias and beliefs about the Trinidadian gene. So (laughs) like, I feel like y'all good on that. Um, listen I got a big family that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) um so a little bit more personal um I mean we all you know grow up in life and you know there there are patterns and things we have a hard time first off discovering and then once we discover we have to learn. Um, so what is that one thing right now that you are having a, a, a hard time on learning? What am I having a hard time on learning? I, I feel like I was taught not to be confident in myself, not to believe, not to believe in my skills, gift, and abilities. 
I was taught to be confident in what I look like, to be confident in these big browns. <laughs> this, I can't even say million because a million dollars is nothing these days. And this billion dollar smile. Be, I, I was taught to be confident in those things. But when it came to skills, gifts, abilities, um, my own intellectual curiosity, I, I felt like that was always just kind of stamped down. And so in, I think nearly everybody deals with imposter syndrome. I think I deal with imposter syndrome to the nth degree. A lot of the rooms that I walk into, nearly every room I walk into, I, I struggle with believing that I belong in that room, despite what my resume and credentials say. I have a very hard time being comfortable in what I know and in who I am in, in a lot of different arenas of life. And I feel like that's something I need to unlearn. So I'd like to follow up with this. So <clears throat> ah, I want to I build this question up. So we, we're both Christians, right? Um, we at one point went to the same the same church. Um, I, you know, jokingly say that you're pastor adjacent, which was coined by you actually. Um, so my question is: is does does your imposter syndrome? contribute to you not planting a church in Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> so I did see this question because this was a listener submitted question. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is, that's a big part of it. Uh, that's a, that's a big, a big part of it is, is my, is my imposter syndrome. Uh, so I, and we, I think this is, this is another episode for another day uh, because we, I think we've, we've been very clear about, we are Christians who have a podcast. This is not a Christian podcast. And so we don't, you know, go overly into, into faith stuff on here, but I became a Christian in 2010, saving a bunch of backstory. In 2013, I was offered $1.2 million to go start a church somewhere. And the yeah get you <laughs> and essentially what was said to me was you're young you're black you want to plant in the city and you can preach why would we not give you money and my response was i have no experience i have no qualifications and you know nothing about me why would you give me money uh so it just i felt like it wasn't wise to do that especially like starting a church is like, it's like starting anything. Like it's a big endeavor. And I did not feel, I barely made it out of college. I didn't feel equipped to, to take on something that big. Uh, and I was halfway through grad school at that point. And I had never been a pastor. There are, you know, there are a lot of guys who go out and they start churches and they've never been a pastor and their congregation feels that. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that guy 
who leaves a trail of broken spiritual bodies behind him because I felt like I should go do this thing that I had no experience in. Mm. Uh, which you you know every everyone has their their own feelings when it comes to that, and we certainly can debate it. But you know, I just said not me. Uh, at present, I don't know if I will ever be a pastor. The door is not closed. Uh, I've certainly interviewed for some jobs, but th- there's a big part of my life where I don't want to be a professional Christian. I don't want my and it's probably part of the reason I've started so many side endeavors is because I don't ever want my livelihood to be tied to how good of a Christian I am because I suck. And I know that because, again, what did I say? One of my fears was for my family. It's not being able to take care of my kids, not being able to take care of my wife. And if you are now telling me that the barrier between my family being provided for is whether or not I'm a good Christian or not, I'm going to hide. I am going to, I'm, I'm going to hide. I'll cover, I'll cover things up. I will, I will run because I will look at the trade-off and say, I need to take care of them. And if that means living alive, then so be. Mm. And, you know, it could be different. In the moment I could like, nah, I'm going to, you know, do the things I need to do, confess what I need to confess, like whatever, but I don't know. That's just the, the fear that I have. Hmm. Sure. So, you know, we're we're both Christians. And, you know, there's a there's a lot you, of you, you. You leaning very heavily churchy right now. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm. You, you'll see, you'll see. Um. So there's like a stigma that comes with uh, being a Christian, especially in the, the, the political arena. <laughs> um, I, I am actually still curious because I myself still don't know where you land. Um, so what is your, your political alignment affiliation or whatever you know one would call it um i am i'm a free agent i'm i'm willing to sell myself to the highest bidder so (laughs) (laughs) so i am i'm unaffiliated is the best way to put it simply because i i'm very liberal about some things and very conservative about others and i don't feel comfortable I don't feel at home in either party because on both sides, there are things I'm looking at and I say, I have to say no to this or this doesn't align with my values. So I'm a registered independent. Um, I have voted both Democrat and Republican in the past. I've voted independent in the past. Uh, I've even gone with some third party candidates before. And I'm not just talking presidential elections because people, you need to vote more than every four years. Uh, but yeah, I, without getting into policy nuance, I would just say I'm very conservative about some things, very liberal about some things, very moderate about some things. It was a want to know, just DM this, sir, at CJ underscore quarterball. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if people would like, if people want to know, I would be more than happy to, 
to do a whole episode walking through a bunch of different policies and stances and giving my reasons and rationale behind. But, you know, that's it. That's if the people want it. Uh, I will say what I what I don't like about where we are today is how tribal we've become. So I was listening to this podcast the other day and <laughs> without giving away any of my stances, they they were talking about uh, people's views on a on a particular issue. Mm-hmm. And what caught me was he was like, you know, you would think that he would agree with us because he agreed with us on A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And what that communicated to me was this is tribal warfare. Mm-hmm. Just because I agree with you on A, B, and C doesn't mean that I'm automatically in on D. And it also doesn't mean that you should just automatically reject me because I don't agree with you 100% down the line. Like who, who in this world do we agree with 100% down the line? So yeah. that's a, like, I'm just not a fan of, of where we are in the political discourse because what we are seeing are far right and far left co-opting both parties. And I mean, the, the two party system is trash to begin with, Yeah, but you know, I think the loudest voices are the voices on the extreme where I think the overwhelming majority of people probably sit somewhere in the center. Mm. And I so, know we have listeners, dear friends of mine who would be very upset with me for everything I just said, but <laughs> them's the facts, bro. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to end it on a lighter note, a little fun note, a little note where you we, may say- Yeah, 21 already? Nah, we ain't 21, bro, but, you know. The, the title of the episode is 21 <laughs> Questions. Oh, man. You didn't ask me 21 questions, so. I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> um, all right. Maybe, maybe, maybe a few more, a few more. Um, so, in terms of, like, the, like, what, so, like, we, we spoke about family, spoke about your personal life, spoke about, you know, your dreams for your children. Um, so, like, what, what is, I mean, you've touched on, like, what, what you're unlearning, but, like, right now, what is, what is one thing that you're struggling with right now? Like what is what is one thing that is just like a struggle? And and it, it yeah. Yeah. Being happy. I uh, I'm an unhappy dude. Like if I'm if I'm really honest, uh discontentment has been something I've dealt with my entire life. And there, there's a bunch of different reasons for that. You know, some of it is just kind of always wanting more or like wanting what I, what I didn't have. Um, it's seeing people work half as hard but get twice as much or seeing people who have never known struggle in their lives complaining about the stupidest things and just looking and being like, man, if I, I wish I had your problems. Uh, but yeah, there, there's always, 
been this striving for more that's in me this all this always looking towards the future and i i really believe that that has that that's hindered hinders my ability to be happy mm. uh like i i think back on my younger self and i was so jovial and i don't I don't feel like that's who I am anymore. Mm. And I find myself discontented. I find that a lot of my thoughts, and I have to actively fight against this, a lot of my thoughts are negative. And it frustrates and saddens me because I, I, I feel like a part of me died. I don't know when and I don't know how. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to reclaim that. Um, yeah, that just got a little heavy on y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had I had a question, man. I totally forgot. Um, sorry, I would I would like to let that breathe for a little bit. Um, I I want to ask. Like what? What do you, what do you think happiness or contentment would look like for you? Being comfortable where I am, with who I am, regardless of the situation or circumstances, but I. I think in situations like this, it's easy to say, oh, I'll be content once I get here. But we know that's not true. If you're not content where you are, you'll never be content because the thing that you think will provide contentment, you're going to find out that it doesn't. And so what you'll do is you'll get there and you'll go, okay, well, the next thing. It's a, I love this, this old quote from a John Rockefeller who at one time was the richest man in the world and a reporter asked him you know John you've got a lot of money how much more do you need and his response was just a little more and I think that gets to the very condition of the human heart contentment isn't found in stuff or things it's not found in a better circumstance and I know this because I know very rich people who are very unhappy and I know very poor people who are very happy. So comfort and contentment for me, I guess contentment and happiness for me looks like the ability to be comfortable uh, regardless of the circumstances, I think. Yeah. Um. Sorry. <laughs> um no, that's that's real. That's that's real. And um I, I appreciate you for sharing that and for sharing that with the audience. Um it's what we do here. We get live and direct, <laughs> give it to you raw. <laughs> um 
So on a lighter note, and I'll I'll push my my personal questions aside. Nah, um, get, go ahead, hit those personal questions. Nah, nah, nah they they they're a little jokey. Um, I'll I'll save those for the end. Um, but like you're you're a reader, you're a bibliophile. Um, something I, I low key envy. Um, because I'm a writer who doesn't read. Um, <laughs> which makes you a terrible writer. Yes. Um, so what is, what is one of the many books you are reading right now? Uh, I am actually not reading anything right now because what? I'm starting, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start a new book tomorrow. I, so here's a, a quirky thing about me, people. Uh, so I, I just finished The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Uh, great, great classic work. I've got, so every year, shout out to Janelle. I know you're listening. Uh, every year, we, my friend Janelle puts together this spreadsheet and it's this reading challenge. And I think there's like 104 books on the list and it's different genres and types. And, you know, we, for a couple of us every year, we, we try to read as many those books as we can. But I'm really weird about not wanting to end the year without having finished, like finished whatever I'm reading in that year. So like whatever I'm reading in 2021, I want to read it in 2021 and I don't want to take it into 2022. (laughs) And so I've actually, I finished like three books this week because I'm like, I don't know if I can read another whole book before this month is over. So I don't want to start a new book and then bring it into 2022 because I want to start 2022 reading this book. Like it, it's a little <laughs> nutty like that. I, I, I own it. So right now I'm, I'm not reading anything. Mm. Uh, I'll probably, I'm going to find a short book. I've got a ton of books. I'll probably find a short book to read that'll take me to the end of the year. And then going to start 2022 strong. So you mentioned you're going to go on a writing retreat. Can the people get a preview as to what the topics are? No. no. Okay. That was that was that was a definitive yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a definitive no. I, uh, in the spring, I would like to go away for three days to write my face off. Avery knows what I plan to write about, but. Hopefully, you all will find out when these publishers say, we, we back you. We, we want to put your work out. So, no. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So, back to my jokey questions. Uh, it's actually one. I already know who your favorite superhero is. I think people know who your favorite superhero is. Who? See now you got me. All right, who is your favorite? No, no, no. no. I want. I want to hear what you say. Is it not Captain America? Is not no. Captain America? Is Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. All right. Aside from that, if God, you know, Lord willing, all the black people, you know, wake up on December twenty first, Negro solstice, <laughs> wake up super superpowers. <laughs> Um, what would you think your superpower would be? 
teleportation. Wow. Easily. Son, the ability, as much as I love traveling, the ability to just look at a picture and go, I'm there now, and then go back home, not having to worry about plane tickets. Time. Now, I do really love being in the airport and being on airplanes, but if I can eliminate that because I'm teleporting, I'll take it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, that concludes uh, 21 questions with CJ. Um, I really thought you were going to ask me harder questions. I, I do so too, but I mean, you 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 shared a good bit of yourself, um, which I think the people appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, we could always do another episode of Twenty One Questions. It's... Nah, I think the people might be tired of that. They they need real <laughs> content. <laughs> <laughs> but if the people appreciated it, Avery, what should they do? Uh, they should hit us in our DMs at Kicking It with the Homie. Um, or even our personal DMs at CJ underscore Quarterbaum or at AD underscore on our IGs. Um, Soon we will have a mailbox going, an email going. Um, Please, sir, do not. (laughs) I feel like I I need to. You should also leave five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. (laughs) Follow us on Spotify. Rate and review. Share this podcast with your friends. And now, no, I'm going to end this episode the way we started it. No, <laughs> I'm going to take you out with a little fox inside. We don't end the episode. Avery, with that. <laughs> Avery, what do you know about Tweedle Beetles? Well, when Tweedle Beetles fight, it's called the Tweedle Beetle battle. And when they battle in a puddle, it's a Tweedle Beetle puddle battle. And when Tweedle Beetles battle with paddles in a puddle, they call it a Tweedle Beetle puddle paddle battle. And when Beetles fight these battles in the, oh yeah, I skipped it, whatever. When beetles fight these battles in the bottle with their paddles and the bottles on the poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call this a muddle puddle, tweedle poodle, beetle noodle, bottle paddle battle. And now wait a minute, Mr. Sox Fox. My kids love when I make that voice for the part. <laughs> when a fox is in the bottle with a tweedle beetles battle with their paddles in a puddle on a noodle eating poodle, this is what they call a tweedle beetle noodle poodle bottle paddle muddle duddle fuddle waddle fox in socks, sir. And then this is my Sean Connery impression. Fox and socks are games done, sir. Thank you for a lot of fun, sir. That was your tongue numb. Avery, what's bringing you joy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, What is bringing me joy? A few things, actually. Um, No personal note. um, I'm actually been, for the first time in a very long time, uh, been consistent with my journaling. Um, and it has been very life-giving. Um, like just, you know, being able to express my thoughts and feelings without judgment on paper, you know, and not caring what I'm writing. I think too often times when I did journal, I would, I would like just be concerned about who would find my journal and who would read it. And oh my gosh. And, you know, um, but I'm just just writing freely and what's on my mind and what's on my heart in the moment. Um, couple that with, I've been making a little lo-fi playlist, um, which those of you who enjoy lo-fi, be on the lookout. Um, I may share that with the public. I may not. Um, 
So yeah, just just been enjoying this journey that I'm on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. Uh, but it's it's been fun. It's been interesting. Um, feel like I'm rediscovering things about myself and learning new things about myself. So yeah, I think that's what's bringing me joy. It's bringing you joy, sir, besides reading Dr. Seuss like a rapper. <laughs> Dr. Seuss had bars. <laughs> what's bringing me joy is after, I, I think I've been working on this for probably a year and a half or two years. I don't even know at this point. But my Black History calendar is complete and it is available for sale. Kings and Queens Dream, a Black History calendar, is available at cjquotabomb.com backslash labor forward. Uh, this, this project was a labor of love. It was the project that essentially kicked off what would become Labor Forward. It's a, it's a Black History calendar, 365 days a year, different person, place, thing, event, important moment in Black history that you should know about. Too often, what we hear about is uh, slavery, the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks and MLK, and there's so much more to be talked about. So many other people, so many communities, so much history that we've been taught that isn't exactly accurate. And so get this calendar. And when you get the calendar, you can get it in time for Christmas. You can get it in time for New Year's. I don't know if you get it in time for Christmas. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. But put, put your orders in. I, they're coming, I promise you. Uh, sign up for the, for the Black History course, Miseducated, Reteaching 400 Plus Years of Black History. Uh, what else? I got? I've got these, these posters uh, on a bunch of different things in Black history. Got some on politicians, some on thriving Black communities. I've got one on Black history in the 70s. So that's bringing me joy because I've been working on Labor Forward for a long time and I got to hit complete on several different aspects of it this week. And that was cool. I, I like completing things because then my brain starts going and I start thinking of new things to do, which is why I never rest, hence the writing retreat. So, because I came up with like seven ideas this week. Uh, that's, that's good, man. I'm, I'm actually happy for you. Like, I know you've been like working hard on these things and we've, we've talked personally about, you know, just, you know, how you've been feeling about the, various aspects but like i'm i'm truly happy that you got to see the fruits of your labor that's it's pretty yeah. dope oh i got one more thing bringing me joy so you know we turned 34 about uh two months a little ago. over a month ago no, it was a, a month ago a month and a half D- fam my birthday is october 28th today that's, is december 2nd okay that's you on october 28th Three days. That's still not you know six weeks. I'm tired. All right, my math ain't mathing. Leave me alone. Golly, that's Erasmus High School for you. Hey, anyway, hey. we turn 34, and you know that as we age, uh, things just don't work the way that they used to. You know, my athleticism I felt like was waning. I was getting tired a little faster. 
and I had played ball just before turning 34. And I just, I didn't play well. And I thought, this is it. it it's over. I, I'm no longer good. It's time to hang it up and start boxing. And then I played last week. And when I tell you I beat the brakes off them dudes, <laughs> it, was, it was like I turned the clock back. And I realized <laughs> I'm not washed. I just had a bad day. And it brought me joy to blow by people, to rain threes on them, <laughs> to get big defensive stops. So I, I'm comfortable in knowing that I'm six years away from dominating these 40 and up leagues. <laughs> and I'm letting these old heads know now, watch out. If you're not staying in shape. I'm coming for you. <laughs> that means you got to stay in shape too. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, it was fun doing it. Uh, it was also great, you know, hearing, you know, a few things about my friend. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say, sir? Nah. We are. We're listening to. Kicking it with the homie. Kicking it with the homie. Kicking it with the homie. Kicking it with the Oh, oh, oh.